Thank you, Mary Alice. In Jesus' name, the name above all names, today we gather in that name, and we look into God's Word to find some direction and guidance and instruction. My sermon today is geared especially toward the young people. And I'm defining young people today as anyone under the age of 95. <laughs> Which means it probably fits most of us. To do that, I want to uh, take a moment to look into something you may not have crossed your mind in uh, too many recent days. Triangles. What simple diagrams they are. We all remember the enjoyment we all had with triangles growing up. From building blocks as kids to drawing them as elementary students. We learned about them in this special class called geometry, which has all these funny words for triangles. Obtuse and acute, equilateral. Remember the right triangle? Did it bother anybody else that there was never a left triangle? Maybe you know some other triangles. The Bermuda Triangle. That's been an oft-discussed topic for sure. Or how about this one? If you look at this one too long, you'll get a headache. This is called the Penrose Triangle, or more commonly as the Impossible Triangle. Let your eyes follow around it. Eventually, you just loop yourself into, into a convulsion almost. Here's another triangle. This one's called the Pascal's Triangle. And obviously, it's a math tool. It helps you to solve binomial theorems and apply it. Now, tell me, when's the last time you were in church and somebody mentioned binomial theorems? Triangles, indeed. Today, I want to use that simple diagram to speak to all of those young people under age 95 to what I'm calling the life triangle. These young people are on our forefronts of our thought today, and rightfully so, they've reached an accomplishment. They've reached a level of achievement to recognize their diligence and their parents' patience to get to that point. And so none of us who are past that time of being in high school have anything but great expectations for their life. What do we say to them? If you had a moment with a high school graduate today, what would you say to them? What advice would you give to them and share with them from your experience in life? We could all share various accounts of things. I'm sure we share of the Lord's faithfulness during the good times and the challenging times. I'm sure we'd share of the Lord's provisions. I'm sure we'd share of the importance of not being discouraged when the door is closed over here because it means there's another door to open over here. I'm sure we'd share well our experiences. But today there can be no greater source of encouragement or guidance than to take God's Word. So for a few moments today, I want to use it as a platform to talk about the life triangle. To do that, I'm going to work my way toward a diagram. And we, uh, we have copies of this available for you as you leave today. So I don't feel like you've got to try to scribble it all down or, 
or um, try to replicate what I've got on the screen because, again, it's available for you in the Scripture verses that we'll primarily talk about are part of that, and you can pick up on your way out. And for those of you with graduates of the young ones, maybe it will be a tool for you. I hope it will, that you can use as a platform to have future discussions as you watch your little one continue to grow to soon become this high school graduate that every parent will tell you here has come way too quick. The life triangle. To do, to do that today, I want to start an Old Testament passage. You'll need to turn there. We're going to work our way to Proverbs in just a moment. But I want to step back and, and, and pick a name and an event that may be familiar to most of us. Solomon. The man in the scripture who is recognized and remembered for being a man of wisdom. Where did that wisdom start? Let's set the stage and then we'll look at this passage here. Solomon, of course, is the son of David, the king of Israel. David ruled about, a, he began his rule about a thousand years before Christ. And he will rule, of course, with, with great success and great failures. Guess what? David was human. But even in his humanity, he had a heart for God, the scripture tells us. And God did bless many of the things that David pursued. And in his achievements, he recognized God as the supplier of those things in so many ways. David fulfills a great role in the timeline of the Old Testament. It would be David's son Solomon who will step into his place. There's there's more detail and intrigue to it than I'm going to give time to it today. But eventually Solomon, his son, becomes the next king. And Solomon, a young man himself at the time, scholars debate a bit of his age, but 20 to 30 seems reasonable, considering the end of his life and some pieces we can connect the dots to. So here's this young man. Imagine the news comes, you are now the king of this nation. How would that make you feel? Unworthy. Unprepared. I've watched Dad do it for these many years, but now I have to do it. And so Solomon, in preparing and working his way into this position, comes to this place, the scripture identifies as Gibeon. It's there that the Lord, it says, appeared to Solomon in a dream. Don't let that thought detract you into the understanding of dreams. This was a time before the completed word of God. This was a time when God spoke through prophets and through dreams. Not so today as we have the full witness of God's word. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And look at this question. God asked Solomon, ask what I shall give thee. What a profound question. How would you have answered that question? What would be your request? If God said, here's the blank check, so to speak, you fill it in, what will it be? Solomon, I believe, had been under the weight of his capacity to be the king. Would he be sufficient to the task? I'm sure he had his own doubts, as any of us would. We continue on to the passage without spending much time here to see Solomon's request. Give therefore thy servant, 
He speaks to the Lord. An understanding heart to judge thy people. To be this king, I need a heart that has understanding. That I may discern between the good and the bad. For who is able to judge, and we might put into that place there, rule this, thy so great a people. Solomon, I believe, saw his incapacity to do this. He didn't want to be a failure. He didn't want Israel to fail. They were at one of the highlights of their existence. David had brought the nation and the people up to unbelievable levels of achievement through God's blessing and David's leadership. Solomon didn't want all that to go to waste. What a request. I can have anything, God. Give me wisdom. That's in essence his request. A couple verses down. The Lord speaks, Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, and none shall arise after you like unto thee. Wisdom given by God. You know, God didn't say, you know, here's a list of books, Solomon. If you read these five books, how to be successful in leadership, how to achieve things you've always wanted, how to live your best life now. No, God knew more than to fiddle Solomon around human wisdom. It is always lacking and short-sighted. God didn't say, look, I've got some seminars set up, some prophets a little bit before the year's out. Some prophets are going to do some seminars. You go attend those. No, the Lord says, I will give you. It is of God. Solomon received his wisdom. A young man. You take the time and read through those passages in the Kings and Chronicles. We have some reflections of Solomon. The very hand of Solomon has given us much of the passages of Proverbs. Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. A portion of the Bible is often called the wisdom literature. Because we glean from it the words of a man inspired by God who had been given by God wisdom. And so it should hold a special place in our thoughts about life. What it means to, to live a life Honoring to God. A phrase I like to use when I can, a well-lived life. Reflecting all those things. But as we continue to turn the pages of Scripture, we will find ourselves reminded again. You see the statement? Give, my, give me an understanding heart. And God says, behold, I have given it. It's yours what would Solomon do with this? Well, we turn the pages to find Solomon reflecting upon his life nearly 40 years later. One of the greatest examples of Solomon's wisdom is probably a story we've all, we're all familiar with to some degree. The two women who came with the one baby. You remember that story? And the solution that was proposed and how Solomon got to the true answer. The scripture even says that Solomon's wisdom was known throughout all the, all the region. Even other rulers admired him for his wisdom. 
Was Solomon a perfect man? Not even close. Did Solomon always make the right choices? No, he did not. He made some pretty bad choices for his own life particularly. But we'll save that for another time. I want us to recognize Solomon and what God did to his life and the experiences he shares. But I don't want to put Solomon on a plane above us. He was a human. He had his own frailties and faults. He had his own recognition of dependence upon God and who God would be to him in this role particularly. But we turn to the book of Proverbs. I'll have the verses up, or if you're turning there, turn with me to this first chapter of Proverbs. Proverbs is a book mostly written by Solomon, a book in our Bible that has those 31 chapters. And much of what is recorded here is from the very pen of Solomon himself. But a very different Solomon than the 20-something who asked of God for wisdom. Now a man who further in life understands that wisdom, understands the value of it, the importance of it, the application of it. And he writes, I believe, first and foremost, for his own children and grandchildren. I hear the heart of a father in his words and a grandfather. But the application cannot stop there. It applies to all of us. These are words God's preserved that we might glean truth from them. So let's look at these first several verses. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. We know exactly who this is. To know wisdom and instruction. To perceive the words of understanding. To receive instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. What four great words. To give subtlety to the simple. The idea there means the, the, the inexperienced the gullible, those who just don't know enough to know enough. They're still trying to figure out lots of things to give subtlety to them. Maturing knowledge is the idea there. To the young man, to the young person, knowledge and discretion. These are things that we all need. See those words? I highlight them that they may stick out to us. And maybe when you go back and read, you'll want to underline these words or highlight them or go look them up. They are tremendous words. We're going to spend a little time with those words in just a moment. Wisdom, instruction, understanding. I want to start there in just a moment. Verse 5, the passage continues down through verse 7. A wise man will hear. Even if you are mature, even if you have some knowledge, even if you have experience, don't think that you're going to escape these words. Because a wise man needs, still needs to hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain to wise counsel. Pay attention. God's got something to say that applies to all of us. To understand a proverb and the interpretation. What does it mean? The application. The words of the wise and their dark sayings. Don't let that, that phrase from the King James detour you are thinking, but it simply means to be in the dark. We use that term today. I'm in the dark about what's going on. I really don't know. It's the same idea. Same way she's using the translation there. They're hidden sayings. We hear it, but we're not real sure how it applies. And then the passage we'll look at today concludes with verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. 
The reality of these verses is to understand that there are some important words, important concepts. But I submit to you they all begin with a foundation laid for us in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fear here is not a cowering fear. It's not a fear to fall away and, and, a, and to be af afraid of something. It's a reverential respect. It's honoring. It's recognition of who the Lord is as creator and sustainer and who the Lord is as a judge of the universe. It's a proper understanding of who God is. So today, I want us to look at our life triangle and let's pick from verse 2, three important words. Wisdom, instruction, and understanding. These will form our points to the triangle. These are all great concepts. Wisdom here, and we're going to see the word wisdom translated twice for us, but we need to understand that there are two different, actually two different words in the original. Understanding is, is a little clearer perception. Instruction, teaching, the process of learning. We all go through those experiences of learning. Sometimes in formal structures like a school, maybe a Sunday school class. Sometimes in informal structures around the dinner table or a conversation on a park bench or even in a church sermon. There's times of instruction. The core of all that instruction and understanding and wisdom is some, some element of information. We live in a day and time where information is, the whole world is at our fingertips with our phones and technology, right? We do not lack for understanding something. You used to have to know it, go to look, look it up in an encyclopedia, but now you can just, a couple of taps away, oh, there's the answer. Easy to find. We live in an information age, it's often been called. But let me remind all of us, information itself is not wisdom. We live in an information age. Would it be that we could live in a wisdom age where we made wise choices? These three words are introduced to us in verse 2. And I want to build upon them as we look at these passages. Beginning with verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That foundational level is where it all has to start. Understanding God and his word. So I ask all of you young people under age 95, what is your relationship with God and his word? Do you understand what it means to have a relationship with God? The fulfillment of God in human form, Jesus Christ, brought to us salvation full and free because of his death on the cross. His resurrection to show he had authority over all things. His ascension. The truth of the scripture is revealing God to us from Genesis to Revelation. Do you understand who God is? You know, we live in a culture and a time, too, where God is a fuzzy, uh, a fuzzy cloud in some people's mind. That's sad. Because with clarity and with preciseness, we can understand God in his word. What about his word? 
given to us that we might know who God is, that we might properly understand our place and our time, that we might properly understand the need that we have of salvation and the promise of heaven that is to come. So many great passages about the Bible. And if you're new to Gospel Baptist Church, let me make you well aware that from this pulpit you will hear the Bible preached. In our Bible study classes, you will hear the Bible taught. In our fellowship time, we will reference biblical truths. Our youth program, our children's program, is built upon the truth of God's Word. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, the psalmist says. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. What is your relationship with God and His Word? There's a lot of wrong answers. Let's make sure we're pursuing the right answer. Then as you look at the passage, what you find a little further down in verse 3, let me talk about wisdom for a moment because I want to build upon that verse 7. The fear of the Lord. This it's is not the only place that truth is given to us. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Are we paying attention yet? The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. Scripture will echo those thoughts in these words and other ways, too, to remind us that we must have a right understanding of God and His Word. And this is a confusing time for many people. Our high school graduates, family members, take a look at what they received. They received something called the Apologetics Study Bible. Apologetics is a term that simply means to defend the truth, to defend the faith. I have one of these Bibles, had one for many years. The articles in it are very helpful. They address current issues from a biblical perspective. And to those graduates, I say, let this be one of your great tools of resources as you're walking to the next stage of your life. Because the articles there will help you understand some of the things happening in the world around us. So we build upon this. In verse 3, to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, and equity. This side of our triangle has to do with people and self. It's what I'm calling the personal wisdom that we need to have. To understand ourselves, the way God made us and formed us, made us unique. We all have different capacities. We all have different intelligences. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. We all have a sin problem. To understand ourselves is a great step, I think, in growth and understanding. To understand ourselves in light of a family, to understand ourselves in light of a church, to understand ourselves in the light of the truth of God's Word and what God teaches us. But then to extend that to others so that I can apply wisdom. This word wisdom, by the way, is not the same word in the Hebrew as the word wisdom at the top of the triangle. The word wisdom at the top of the triangle is the all-encompassing wisdom. It's the pinnacle of wisdom. It's the wisdom I believe God gave to Solomon. This word wisdom has behind it the word discernment. Being able to make proper 
evaluations of people and of circumstances related to those people. Wisdom regarding yourself and wisdom regarding others. And how do we interact with others? How do we treat others within the family? Ephesians comes to mind, great family verse. Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. How do we deal with others? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount. The concept of wisdom applied to people is a great step in that growth and learning. Justice has to reflects us back to law. How do we understand and evaluate so that we can make judgments, assessments? There's enough wisdom I know in this room to be able to say to all the young people, not everyone will be your friend. You don't want everyone influencing you. Choose your friends carefully. Choose your relationships with wisdom. Let your assessments and your judgments be built upon truths of God's Word. Equity, that concept of understanding that we see everyone on level ground before us. So that we don't show partiality, undue partiality. Of course we've got family, of course we've got friends. I don't buy everybody a birthday present, right? But I see people before me as people, as individuals, themselves created by God. So in verse 3, we see the relationship to people and ourselves. In verse 4, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man knowledge and discretion. I am referring to this as wisdom applied to time and things. Those are two resources that we have. How do we use those resources? We should use them with subtlety. It means the idea of maturing knowledge. Because I'm sure I speak to people across this auditorium who have never wasted time. We all fall into that. Where did the time go? I can't believe I spent this much time on social media, right? We, we find ways to waste time. We find ways to waste things. Subtlety, maturing knowledge, discretion, being able to make decisions, not just of good and bad. That's almost the easy decision. The hard decision is to make between two things that both are good. Or one's good and one's better. We got to take more sex more than just, uh, I'll take that one. I'll take what's behind door number two. It takes more than that. Time and things. I'm calling this practical wisdom. In order for us to live life to its fullest, because I hate to spoil it, young people, life is complicated. It has challenges that I didn't expect. I didn't wake up this morning thinking this would happen. It's complicated. And if we fool ourselves into thinking we're able to handle it, it gets more complicated. We have to keep our focus on God's perspective so that every day 
The next step leads me in a path of wisdom, not in the path of the fool. So there's our diagram. That's the diagram I've got printed for you. You can pick it up on the way out. The passage from Proverbs 1 through 7, chapter 1, is also included. I would encourage you to take some time. Look through that. Let the Holy Spirit truly impact your thinking and your heart through that passage and what's there. So now what do I do? Well, the passage continues in verse 5. A wise man, a wise person, a person who seeks to be wise will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain or pay attention to those wise counsels. Let me back up. I went one too far. In verse 6, to understand a proverb and the interpretation, get in the book of Proverbs. High school graduates, can I give you one last assignment before you go off to your next adventure in life? Commit yourself this summer to reading the book of Proverbs. You will sow into your heart wisdom by doing so. You will see God's principles of dealing with individuals and people. You will hear the call of wisdom. Even before you get to out of chapter 1, down I think it's verse 20, you'll see an image of wisdom portrayed as a woman, a feminine voice. Hear the call of wisdom, the scripture says. You go to chapter 8, it's expanded even more. Hear the call of wisdom. She stands in the street. I'll paraphrase. She stands in the street saying, Come unto me, all of you that need wisdom. Avoid the path of the fool and destruction that goes with it. Hear that voice. Get into Proverbs. You could invest yourself in the next two months in no better way, I don't believe. So that you can understand what these Proverbs mean. You can interpret them in your life. And you can see the application and ask the Lord to give you direction and guidance as you read it. To understand the words of the wise and even sometimes difficult situations. Hear what else, what else the scripture has to say about wisdom. In the New Testament, where wisdom is mentioned many times. As a matter of fact, through the entire Bible, wisdom, Old Testament and New Testament combined will use the word wisdom 222 times. And almost half, at least 45% of that, in the book of Proverbs. But the scripture is very plain. It is in Christ where all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid. To seek after Christ is to seek after wisdom. To understand his call upon our life. James will say it this way. What a great invitation. Let's follow the path of, of Solomon. Thinking about wisdom. James gives us a couple of places for this. Here's one. But the wisdom that is from above. What is this wisdom? It's pure. It's peaceable. It's gentle. It's easy to entreat or easy to approach. It's full of mercy and good fruits without partiality. Equity. Proverbs will call it. And without hypocrisy. Wow, we need, to, we, we, need to, we need to be a generation that lives out that kind of wisdom. Because wisdom isn't just about making choices. It's about living a life. Wisdom is the principal thing, Proverbs are going to say. The principal thing, the number one first priority. Therefore, get wisdom. 
If you take that verse or those words out of that verse and apply it to today's culture, they will say it this way. Money is the principal thing, therefore get money. Prestige is the principal thing, therefore get prestige. Fame is the principal thing, therefore get fame. The culture has lots of substitutes, and they are all weak substitutes. The scripture is very plain. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all you're getting, understanding, understanding your relationship with God, your relationship with his word, your relationship with yourself, relationship with people, your relationship with things, your relationship with time. If you can put wisdom in play in all of those areas, you know what? Your story will more likely be a success story than a failure story. Well, how do I get this wisdom? James reminds us of exactly the way Solomon did it without using his name. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally with gracious abundance is the idea there. And upbraids not, which means it doesn't show partiality. And it shall be given him. Just as simply as Solomon asked, we are given the invitation in the New Testament to do the very same thing, ask. What should we be doing? We should be asking God for wisdom. Every day, every circumstance, every situation. I submit to you one of the things we hurt ourselves most in doing, and I'm, I'm guilty of it plenty, is we rush ahead without pausing long enough to say, God, give me wisdom about what to do here. We somehow pressure ourselves into those circumstances. The reality of wisdom is something we can't ignore. And I submit to you the life triangle I've brought before us today from Proverbs chapter 1 is a great framework for us to think about how does the truth of the Scripture apply to my life, where I am, and what I'm doing right now. Because as surely as life is complicated, life is also changing the person you and I were X number of years ago, X number of months ago, X number of weeks ago, is not the same person we are today. Circumstances change. And we need to know how to respond to that change. And as sure as life is complicated, as sure as life is changing, we can also be sure that life is certain. Life is certain to come to an end. Life is certain to come to a place in which our days are ended here on earth. What will life be to us then? Will it be eternity and the glory of God's heaven from the promises of his word, from the gift of grace, from the salvation so free offered, freely offered by Christ? Life is certain to come to an end. Let's live our lives pursuing wisdom. And let's live each day asking God for the wisdom we need as parents, as grandparents, as workers, as family members. Let us be like Solomon. Lord, give me an understanding and wise heart. I don't think a better prayer could be offered by the follower of God who seeks to do his will. Bow your heads with me. We'll close there. Where are you in your relationship with God? The foundational part of
the scripture here in Proverbs reminds us of that. We start with that. What is your, what is your relationship with self and others? What is your relationship with time and things? Only you can answer those. But we all have to answer them. And I pray we'll do so in light of God's word and what it teaches us. So what is your prayer need today? You need to lift before the Lord. I can say, I think, without hesitation, all of us need to say, Lord, give me wisdom. But what about you particularly? Where's your life before Christ? Where's your standing before God? What is your standing before his word? Do you apply it or have you ignored it? There should be a place in our hearts and our lives to understand these truths so that we may apply them and live them. Father, today, thank you for this time in your word. These few moments, they pass so quickly, but what great impact they can have on us. I pray that your word today will bear much fruit in the hearts of each of us. And may we leave here understanding and appreciating and valuing the necessity of wisdom, beginning with our relationship with you. And I pray that you will draw unto yourself, each of us, so that we may seek your will in our lives. That we may not only seek after wisdom, we may live wisely. Because the only alternative is to live as a fool. And none of us will pursue that path willingly. So I pray that you will give us your wisdom, your insight from your word today to apply to our hearts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We ask you to stand, if you will, the song I trust is familiar to you, just as I am. And that's the only way we can come to God just as we are, to seek his wisdom. So let's sing this verse today with that thought. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Bow heads, if you will, for just a moment. We're going to close uh, our time together in, in prayer. And um...